Life is about attaining different goals, including financial ones. Whether it's saving for your first home, first car, your family, or retirement, you need to know how to get there. Welcome to All About Goals with host Tom White. Join Tom and his guest experts who will help you get there faster and the right way. Now, here is Tom White. Hello. Welcome to the All About Goals radio show. I'm your host, Tom White. Today's episode is all about pensions and Social Security. Hopefully, you're looking at retirement in which you're considering, okay, when should I take my pension if I have one? When should I take Social Security? There's very common uh, types of considerations in preparing for retirement. And so, that choice is critical in determining how long your, uh, your retirement assets last. Uh, and this is why I believe it's important enough to dedicate a specific episode to this, particularly uh, to those uh, millions of baby boomers that you know, are retiring, if not already have retired, but may not have started taking their pension social security yet. And so that decision is still to come. And as in everything, even though I used to be in the financial services industry advising clients in the past on these type of decisions, I'm no longer uh, uh, working as such professional. So I I definitely uh, recommend you speak to your own financial advisor on these decisions. But today I'll share some specific strategies uh, to consider in helping make that decision. But the first question particularly if you're under age 40, uh, for those that still have a ways uh, to retirement is, should you even count on Social Security for your retirement? Because uh, the millennials, Gen Z, even the younger part of of Gen X uh, are towards the end of that line uh, for those that uh, are expecting that type of benefit at retirement. And so you have plenty enough number of years to plan and save uh, for retirement without counting on that. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's a critical awareness of, you know, if I get it, great, but I don't want to count on it because a lot of that could be out of your hands with regards to the funding of Social Security over the next several decades. Uh, but if you've paid in for decades now, Certainly, it's something you should expect. Uh, uh, you're, you're seeing your benefit statements every year, you know, go up slightly, and you know, it's, it's getting more real uh, each year. And so, kind of the 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 marker here is, in my mind, if you're you know younger than forty, uh, plan on retirement without it. And certainly, uh, when when you get to retirement, uh, uh, go through the process of of receiving it, but you have the opportunity to almost, you know, self-insure your retirement without it. But those that have paid in years, definitely, uh, you know, it's something that uh, you should expect uh, to, to receive as a benefit. And so, if you're preparing for retirement now and you have a pension or multiple pensions for that matter from different companies you worked for uh, in the past uh, and there are different ages when you can tap into your pension. Those, those are things you have to consider uh, individually, as well as with regards to Social Security. So long as you paid in, you know, uh, uh, 10 years worth, 40, 40 quarters in uh, to Social Security, you will, you will get a benefit. 
And so if you have both, let's just say you you have a pension and a social security, which one should you tap into first? The first question to ask is, do you even need it? Will you need your pension or social security on your first day of retirement? In general, if you don't need that that income stream, because you have other income, whether it is you're working part-time or, you know, and let's not for now include your retirement assets, uh, you know, your 401ks, your IRAs, and so on. But there are other streams of income that meet your expenses at retirement, then do not start taking your pension or Social Security yet. Obviously, the benefit to holding off is that the longer you wait, the larger that monthly benefit will be in the future. Uh, there's a certain uh, increase each year. It changes. But in general, yes, uh, if, if you say take your pension at age 60, as an example, it may be 1500 a month. You wait until it's 65, could be 2000 a month. Uh, so there is a benefit to holding off. Now, that doesn't necessarily answer the question that you, know, you should hold off uh, taking the pension and Social Security. The first question to ask is, will you need it? If you don't need it, don't take it because it isn't only because it'll be a greater amount in the future, but because if you do, you're now taking income that's being taxable and you're taxing income that you don't need. So it adds to another set of problems, which is where now you may be experiencing what's called bracket creep, where you're taking in income uh, that adds to your annual total and could bump you up one or two tax brackets, depending on on the amounts that wasn't necessary because you didn't need it. So first question is, when do you need it? And Pension will have different ages that you can tap into uh, to start taking. So, you know, it's, it's whatever the earliest retirement age is, depending on the pension, whether it's, you know, a pension with a company could even be military pension. Um, and, you know, for some, it could be as early as age 50 or 55 or 60. And then there's also another age in which you, you, you max out that benefit. It no longer will increase each year if you hold it off. And so at that point, you got to take it. Social Security is similar. The first age uh, that you can, you can get Social Security is age 62. That falls under kind of the early uh, retirement uh, for Social Security. And then there is full retirement depending on your, your year birth. Uh, typically now it's around 66 or 67. It used to be 65. And then the last year is age 70, in which at that point, it doesn't go up anymore. There's no purpose to holding off at that point, whether you need it or not, you know, uh, certainly you should take it because there's no distinct benefit to you to keep it in the system. It'll only earn minimal interest, so you might as well uh, take that. But if you had a choice between pension and Social Security, which one to take first, typically it would be the pension for this reason. Pension will provide that benefit, obviously, for as long as you live, typically, based on the type of uh, um, selection that you make, which we will talk about. And also, with the pension, 
depending on that particular company, if it gets bought out, you know, there are many changes that that pension uh, may be subjected to. And so, if you're already taking it, the liability of that company is very much to those taking the pension already because they know that people are relying on it, living on it versus those that haven't yet taken it. Um, And so, the sooner you get, you start taking it, then you fall under the category in which you are a pensioner there. Uh, And also, compare that to Social Security, in which typically the ages that you can start those, like I said, with Social Security, the first age is 62, whereas pension could even be in, in your 50s, depending on how long you've worked for that company, how early you started working there, uh, in which you might be eligible in your 50s. So, depending on when you retire, depending also on the amounts uh, of what those benefits are, if you need it and you had a choice between pension and Social Security, typically, I would say, take the pension first. The typical point of view on pension and social security, particularly from institutions that provide advice and management of assets, uh, interestingly enough, is that most advisors will recommend or steer you towards holding off in taking pension social security so that it's a larger benefit down the road. And this isn't necessarily how I look at it because it's not necessarily about holding off to get uh, a larger benefit because for one, you don't know how long you're going to live. And if you need it, keep in mind, pension social security are more promises of future, you know, income and benefit uh, uh, versus say, the assets that you've built up over the years for retirement within your 401k, within your IRA, this is real money. You know, you see the statement on that, you know uh, how much it is. And it's also part of your estate from the standpoint that if anything were to happen to you, it would pass on to your heirs. And so, if you're in a position in which you have pension and social security you can tap into now, and you also have your retirement assets, those that are advising you to hold off and take pension social security at a later age so that it's much larger probably is looking at having you then tap into those retirement assets which you know from my point of view that's that's where the real value long term is is in those assets in terms of what that could be worth you know 10 15 20 years later and if you start tapping into them first now versus the pension social security, you're, you're really uh, decreasing the potential value of those assets compared to you know, what it would be 10, 15, 20 years from now. Whereas pension and social security, you know, they only go up by a certain amount. Granted, it is a larger amount. If you say held off Social Security till age 67 and age 70, but at the same time, you know, if you, you're not sure you know, how long you're going to live, then you don't know how many more years you will be getting those higher amounts uh, versus starting early and having a, a, a 
larger number of years in which you may be getting this uh, the smaller amount. You know, I'm talking generalities, obviously, uh, uh, in here, uh, and and in, in later segment, I'll talk about a very specific case study or you know um, uh, a story about a client of mine uh, uh, who had uh, a, a retirement uh, a pension at retirement and what we did with that with with uh, his his choices and how you know how that turned out um, and so the the thing to really consider is do you need it and then if you have the choice between pension social security if the pension can cover those expenses, that's probably the first place uh, to to look at. Social Security then would be, you know, the the second place uh, if your pension still doesn't cover your retirement needs. And there there are survivor types of benefits, is what uh, is typically called um, when you select, particularly for a pension, what your benefits are when the time comes. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that uh, uh, later in, in this uh, episode in talking about what type of survivor benefits uh, should, you, you know, should you take um, and also potentially how a specific strategy uh, called, uh, you know, pension maximization strategy uh, could help with regards to, you know, maximizing as, as a strategy is named. Your, your pension benefits. But the thing to know is if you don't need it, don't take it so that you're not taxed on income you don't need. And when you finally do need it, you know, preferable to tap into the pension versus your retirement assets, uh, preferable to tap into your social security uh, versus your retirement assets as well, uh, so that those assets can continue to grow over time and almost use that as supplemental to these two uh, retirement income sources, knowing that your retirement assets are part of your estate and will be passed on uh, to your beneficiaries, your heirs. Pension and Social Security, to some extent, uh, could, but to a much lesser degree. Uh, whereas your your retirement assets is exactly whatever it's worth, you know, at the time. Uh, in which your beneficiaries, you know, receive them. And so there's, there's maximum value in really preserving uh, your retirement assets, which it tends to be a, a bit of the opposite of what most advisors would uh, uh, recommend. And let me get into that, knowing that what's interesting is that, the, you know, the professionals that typically would be managing your assets that are paid to manage that uh, are are the ones that are telling you to, you know, take income from that. And so it's not going to grow uh, as much as if you preserve them and tap into social security and pension first. But the real reason is, is more of a CYA in terms of them covering their own uh, uh, interests in the sense that they're concerned about, you know, if you take your pension social security first and something happens to you and you don't, you were not able to take, you know, years uh, of pension social security benefits that, you know, your heirs may then, you know, sue uh, for the fact that you didn't get those benefits for the number of years that you were anticipating uh, and putting them very much, you know, uh, at risk to some degree. 
Uh, and to say that, you know, that you want to preserve your retirement assets would show a little bit of, their, of, of them benefiting from that uh, by saying, don't tap into your retirement assets so that we can build it up and get paid more. So there is that tension there. But if you think about it from the standpoint that, you know, pension and Social Security are merely promises of future benefits and payments, whereas your actual IRAs and 401ks are part of your estate already. And the value is what it is if something were to happen to you that your, bene- your beneficiaries would receive is much more concrete than saying, you know, you may get this certain amount each month, you know, 10 years from now or five years from now, as well as not knowing how long, you know, you're, uh, you're going to be receiving those. So, when we come back from a break, we'll talk about these survivor benefits selections that you have to make, especially when it comes to the pension. You know, should you take full benefit, which means typically you won't, your survivors won't receive any benefit, or do you take a smaller amount so that your survivors get at least something? And so these are critical choices, and we'll talk about uh, those selections and also a strategy called pension maximization. Uh, We'll be right back after the break. This is uh, Tom White. You're listening to All About Goals and this episode, All About Pensions and Social Security. We'll be right back. Introducing Schwab Stock Slices. For as little as $5, now anyone can own companies in the S&P 500, even if their shares cost more. At $5 a slice, you could own 10 companies for $50 instead of paying thousands. All commission-free online. Schwab Stock Slices, an easy way to start investing or to give the gift of stock ownership. Schwab, own your tomorrow. Many Americans like yourself are carrying credit card debt. If you're only making minimum payments each month, it's costing you a lot in bad compounding interest over time. So, how much of your debt actually gets paid off when you continue to make minimum payments? Unfortunately, not a lot. But there is a better way to make your credit card debt go away faster. Payoff.com is the best place to get rid of credit card debt. Let's face it, everybody hates fees. Now, SoFi has no fees on personal loans. That's right, no fees on loans to remodel your bathroom. No fees on loans to consolidate your credit card debt. See, no fees just feels good. Booyah! If you've got the drive, you can do a lot with no fees on personal loans. Booyah! Meet Bob, a real prosper lender. And Kent and Stacy. Kent is a real prosper borrower. The Miami boat salesman had money to lend. The Salt Lake City homeowner needed a loan to get started. Both found just what they needed and exactly what they wanted at prosper.com. Through Prosper, borrowers get a great rate and lenders can get an excellent return. To learn more, go to prosper.com. Prosper, let's bank on each other. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to All About Goals with Tom White. 
We'd love to hear from you and help you reach your goal. Call into the program today at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to success at allaboutgoals.live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to All About Goals. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm your host, Tom White. If you're just joining us, this episode is all about pensions and Social Security. Uh, in the first segment, we covered basically, one, when you should take pension and Social Security, and it has a lot to do with when you need it. If you need it, then you should go ahead and take it, especially if you have uh, retirement assets uh, that you've saved up for. It's preferable to tap into the pension Social Security prior to your retirement assets, because those retirement assets, as long as they're managed well, uh, you know, the, the future value of that is, is immense compared to what the future value is of you know, your pension and, and, and Social Security benefits, especially not knowing you know, how far into retirement uh, uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to live and the number of years you'll be able to, to take those, uh, those income streams from pension and Social Security. Uh, furthermore, uh, you know, we also talked about if you're, you know, you're of the younger generation, uh, particularly if you're age 40 or, or younger, should you count on Social Security? Um, and you know, my point of view on this is you have the opportunity with having several decades still until retirement to plan and save and, and not count on Social Security. Uh, whereas those that already have, you know, paid in, uh, uh, you know, a decade or so uh, uh, should expect some, some, some sort of, uh, you know, benefit uh, from it. And so, you know, to self-insure your retirement and not plan on it, I think puts you in a great position. But uh, for those that are, you know, a few years from retirement, if not already retired, but haven't started to take uh, pension and Social Security, you know, the first question to ask is, do I need it? And if I need it, which one to take, if both are eligible, uh, that you're eligible to take? Typically, the pension, uh, because, you know, for one, pension, typically you'll be able to tap into, uh, in many cases, before Social Security, since Social Security doesn't start till age 62. Uh, And no matter what, whichever of these two streams of income, once you've you've reached kind of full uh, retirement age and benefit to where, you know, in the case of Social Security, it's age 70, then take it, uh, even if you don't need it, uh, because there's no benefit to keeping it in there. But if you don't need it, once again, don't take it because you're then going to create an income stream that generates taxes. So you're paying taxes on something you don't need. And now you may end up uh, increasing uh, your tax rates uh, with with bracket creep uh, because of the additional income that you don't need. So uh, you're caught up on that part. What we want to discuss here in this uh, next segment is talking about survivor benefits or the different types of elections uh, that you have to take, uh, particularly uh, with, with a pension. And so, you know, when, when uh, you're looking at beginning your pension benefits, typically there are several choices uh, for you to, to consider. One is, and this is the, 
the largest benefit, monthly benefit uh, choice is what's called, you know, life only, uh, where let's, let's take an example so that we're, we're going with some specific numbers here. Let's say that, you know, your, your pension benefit, the highest amount is a $2,000 a month benefit. So that would be the life only uh, uh, election. And by taking the largest amount, if something were to happen to you, then your survivor, spouse, you know, whoever your beneficiaries would not get anything. Zero. And so, you know, that's, that's a major consideration, right? The second option is to take a smaller benefit. And let's just say here, uh, you know, instead of 2000, you would get say 1700 a month. And as a result of that, it would then provide a benefit to your survivor. Uh, let's say in this case, you know, in, in, in some instance, it's about half. But in this case, let's just say it's $900. Okay? So you give up you know, a $300 a month benefit for your survivor to get $900 a month. And these type of selections is where for as long as you live, whether it's one year or 20 or 30 years in retirement, it'll continue to pay those monthly benefits. So, you know, it's, it's uh, for, for, for your life. But obviously, if you don't live, you know, long into retirement, that benefit, particularly the first option, will stop right away. In the second option, you know, it'll pay the $1,700 as long as you live, and upon your death, your survival will get $900 a month for as long as he or she lives. Okay? The third option typically is what's called a period certain. Uh, it's for a specific number of years, whether it's 10 years or 15 years. And so let's let's just say that you know that uh, the third option is fifteen hundred a month, where for you know for um, uh, ten years, even if you were you know to you know to uh, uh, pass away three years into it, your survivors would receive the same amount for the remaining you know in this case seven years. So for a cert for a certain number of years, period certain, it'll pay a certain amount. So, you know, very different types of choices. Uh, and those types of choices are, are you know, uh, you need to fully understand, you need to look at your specific situation. And also, you know, it very much depends on what your spouse or your beneficiary, whoever the survivor is, what their uh, assets and income streams are, are at retirement. Because if, for example, you know, your spouse also has a pension or their own assets, then they may not necessarily need the $900 survivor benefit that, you know, would come their way if you elect the second option where you're getting $1,700 a month. And so, in that case, maybe then you consider the full $2,000 uh, benefit, knowing that Upon your passing, your survivor wouldn't get anything, but they're not relying on that anyway. So you're able to maximize that benefit. So the the considerations part of this equation is not just in terms of your side, but also you know what resources the survivor will have as well. And once again, 
Yeah, this isn't something that you should do on your own. Definitely uh, consult with, you know, with a professional, an advisor, somebody who's done this in the past for, you know, for, for their clients and, you know, have seen the results of, of this decision, you know, 10, 15 years later as to how did that, you know, pan out that decision? You know, was it a good one or should they have, you know, looking back, made a different type of, of choice? Uh, fortunately uh, for me, having had the years uh, uh, of working with clients uh, now, you know, I can refer to a specific uh, case study here. And yes, I mean, uh, uh, I can say that we did make the right decision and hopefully you'll see that. So let me tell you a story in which uh, this is one of my very first clients back in the late 90s. Uh, he was working, uh, I mean, he had a military pension uh, he, and he was working for, for the government uh, at the time uh, that we started working together. Um, and so we knew that he was going to be getting a military pension when, you know, he eventually retired. So when we started working together, he was about, I think, 10 10 years from retirement. Uh, and he was eligible, though, for, uh, for his pension already. Now, he wasn't eligible for Social Security yet because, uh, you know, he was, he was still uh, younger than age 62. But he actually, you know, we started working together where one of, one of his, uh, um, you know, decisions to make was what to do with his pension. And so, in, he had the same scenario where he could get the full benefit, the highest amount each month, and then, you know, his wife, the survivor, would not get anything. And, you know, she did not work out of the home where she did not have income. And so, that was very much, you know, a major factor in deciding what to do. And once again, the second option, just like the previous example I made, was where, you know, he would get a smaller amount, but then she would get, you know, a little more than half of what his monthly was. And, you know, we were anticipating that, you know, that would cover a good amount of her expenses. But in this case, you know, I suggested and looked at what if we were to do what's called a pension maximization strategy. This is in which we then use life insurance as a way to mimic, if not provide a better scenario than simply, you know, the second option that he would get if he had taken the smaller benefit amount to provide uh, a monthly survivor benefit to his spouse. And so, what we did was, now let's go with the same example we did before, where let's say his maximum benefit was 2000 a month, but would leave her with nothing upon his death. Instead, take a smaller amount, and let's say, you know, that was 1700 a month, where then it would leave her with 900 a month upon his death. And so, the idea was there is a spread of the $300 a month. And the question, you know, that we raised was, can we fund an insurance policy or find an insurance policy for less than, for 300 a month or less to have a pool of insurance that upon his death, then she would receive as a lump sum, tax-free because it's insurance, life insurance, and that pool of money would generate 
the same amount each month that she would have gotten otherwise, uh, you know, had he taken that, you know, 1700 and she would then get 900 a month, if not better, more than 900 a month. And so that's what we did. And, you know, I think we were able to get, say, 400000 in life insurance, uh, knowing that, you know, we can provide more than 900 a month, you know, at a later date, you know, inv- uh, managing that money for her. And interestingly enough, you know, and this wasn't anything that I had anticipated uh, and, you know, it's both unfortunate and yet fortunate as well. The one thing that I made sure when we took out that life insurance policy was that there was a specific rider or benefit that, you know, in some insurance policies, it it comes automatically and others you have to add it. Uh, I don't quite remember whether we added it or not. But um, in terms of, you know, you pay extra for this rider, it's called an accelerated death benefit rider. I made sure that that was in there. That was kind of a standard uh, that I you know, always uh, made sure uh, the life insurance policies had. And the reason I mentioned this is because, you know, once he retired and he was, you know, probably say 10 years into retirement, he ended up being diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, he, he, f- he fought a great fight to where it went into remission, you know, uh, the first two years, but then it came back uh, with a vengeance and, you know, uh, ultimately succumbed to it. But when he was first diagnosed, you know, we were able to use that accelerated death benefit rider, which is, is a type of benefit in which if a policyholder is found to be uh, you know, terminal, then the insurance company allows the policyholder to access as much as you know, half of the amount of the insurance now uh, where they get a check. And that then allowed him and his spouse and family to you know, live where he's able to do what he wanted to do with his bucket list for whatever amount of time he had. Now, fortunately, it was about two years uh, that, you know, that he lived uh, with cancer when it came back. And, you know, looking back, obviously, this wasn't anything we anticipated uh, that he was going to get cancer. But looking back, if he had only taken the pension, then there would not be that pool of money that he could have accessed while he was alive to be able to do the types of things that he wanted to do, uh, where, you know, he took, you know, uh, a once in a lifetime trip uh, with his spouse and family members and, and uh, you know, things that they would all remember uh, to do. And so, you know, I can say looking back that, you know, that strategy absolutely, you know, not only worked, but, but helped and also was able to, uh, you know, uh, be there for him and his family uh, that we never anticipated. Now, you know, may not necessarily be something that most people would, you know, take into account. Um, uh, and I don't know if, if that's a good enough reason to do a strategy like this when you're looking at a pension. I'm simply going back and saying in this particular case, yes, you know, it was a good outcome. Uh, and I'm very glad that, you know, that uh, we were able to do that. But when it comes to, you know, 
selecting a pension choices, very much looking into what the survivor's assets and income streams, uh, you know, uh, whether they have any or not, is a critical part of deciding, you know, which option to use. And, you know, uh, this is, this is uh, uh, a w- kind of a one uh, case uh, uh, scenario. I don't know if the numbers would have worked out in different cases. Uh, so, you know, definitely look at your specific situation and see if a pension maximization strategy, you know, is appropriate. Uh, and those kind of things uh, need to be considered with regards to, okay, you know, uh, if, if I pass away, it could be in one year or, you know, 15 years from now, well, do the numbers still work? You know, uh, does, does it hold up? And you got to think through, you know, those type of scenarios. So I hope yeah, that, that's a specific uh, example that's, you know, helpful in, for somebody that's, you know, looking at their pension and thinking, okay, which option should I choose? And obviously, once again, when thinking about when to take a pe- your pension, very much when you need it, uh, you know versus uh, just, you know, holding off and using your retirement assets just to get a larger uh, monthly pension amount, you know, down the road. Uh, whereas the assets that, that you would otherwise be using, you know, uh, if, you'd, if you held off your pension, you know, you're, you're very much uh, limiting the potential value of that in the future uh, because you're drawing from it. And, you know, in our last segment, we'll talk about What's a reasonable, what's known as an asset distribution, uh, you know, uh, percentage to take out from your retirement assets to still, you know, get you through your retirement years uh, to really maximize, you know, that pool of assets uh, for, for your retirement. Uh, so, when we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about preserving your estate. We'll talk about, you know, uh, what's... Uh, reasonable percentage to take from your ass, your retirement assets to make sure that you don't you don't outlive it you're listening to all about goals and this episode all about pensions and social security i'm your host tom white we'll be right back introducing schwab stock slices For as little as $5, now anyone can own companies in the S&P 500, even if their shares cost more. At $5 a slice, you could own 10 companies for $50 instead of paying thousands. All commission-free online. Schwab Stock Slices, an easy way to start investing or to give the gift of stock ownership. Schwab, own your tomorrow. Many Americans like yourself are carrying credit card debt. If you're only making minimum payments each month, it's costing you a lot in bad compounding interest over time. So, how much of your debt actually gets paid off when you continue to make minimum payments? Unfortunately, not a lot. But there is a better way to make your credit card debt go away faster. Payoff.com is the best place to get rid of credit card debt. Let's face it, everybody hates fees. Now, SoFi has no fees on personal loans. That's right, no fees on loans to remodel your bathroom. 
No fees on loans to consolidate your credit card debt. See? No fees just feels good. Booyah! If you've got the drive, you can do a lot with no fees on personal loans. Booyah! Meet Bob, a real prosper lender. And Kent and Stacy. Kent is a real prosper borrower. The Miami boat salesman had money to lend. The Salt Lake City homeowner needed a loan to get started. Both found just what they needed and exactly what they wanted at Prosper.com. Through Prosper, borrowers get a great rate and lenders can get an excellent return. To learn more, go to Prosper.com. Prosper, let's bank on each other. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to All About Goals with Tom White. We'd love to hear from you and help you reach your goal. Call into the program today at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to success at allaboutgoals.live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to All About Goals. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm your host, Tom White. Follow us on Twitter at AllAboutGoals1. That's at AllAboutGoals and number one. This episode today is all about pensions and Social Security. In our last segment, we talked about survivor benefits, uh, the different elections that uh, you would have to take, especially uh, with a pension uh, on you know, whether you take the largest amount you could each month, but that would mean upon your death, you, you wouldn't leave anything to your beneficiaries, your survivors, or taking a smaller amount uh, to be able to provide some sort of a, a benefit to your survivors. And in some cases, that may mean roughly half of what your uh, pension benefit is. So there are very specific choices, uh, you know, that, that uh, you have to select. Uh, some is is where you get a certain number of years that you would get the benefit, even if you were to pass away before those number of years, uh, uh, you know, expire, uh, so that your beneficiaries receive those instead. Uh, it's called a period certain. And then we also talked about, uh, you know, a specific strategy called pension maximization strategy, in which you could take out a life insurance policy to mimic what uh, a survivor would receive, if not even a better uh, a benefit uh, using life insurance and using the difference between taking the, the largest full benefit amount that you would get uh, versus, you know, taking a smaller amount that provides a survivor benefit. So, uh, hopefully, you know, th- those were uh, pretty clear in terms of what you could expect for choices uh, for, for your pension. And then I shared a specific story with a client of mine uh, where we were able to see years later, you know, the result of that decision and choices uh, uh, when he was looking to make his pension election and how that turned out. So for this last uh, episode today, uh, last segment, you know, we're going to talk about preserving your estate uh, with regards to the decisions and choices related to your pension and Social Security and knowing that you know, 
you will be taking income from your retirement assets, what's uh, a reasonable uh, you know, percentage to take each year uh, to make sure that it doesn't, you know, uh, that you don't outlive uh, your retirement assets? And so, you know, the specific benefit of tapping into your pension and Social Security first before living off of your retirement assets, your 401ks, the things that you saved for retirement in your IRAs and so on, is that because you're not living off of those early in retirement, because you're living off of your pension and Social Security, that pool of money gets to grow over time. Obviously, it's not a straight line. Uh, you know, the market uh, uh, is up one year, down another, and you know, could be up huge or not, uh, depending. You know, on uh, a particular year, as we have seen just recently. But the point is that over a period of time, you will be able to grow that, and the benefit of compound interest, you know, will really. Uh, maximize that that growth to which by the time you need those those assets you know it can sustain itself through the remaining number of years you have left also for the fact that at that point you know if something were to happen to you late later years of your retirement your heirs and beneficiaries will get whatever the value is of you know of your assets at the time, obviously, you know, before taxes, uh, if there are any, whereas your pension and social security will only last, you know, depending on the elections that you make, either, you know, as long as you live or for a certain number of years, depending if you choose, you know, period certain, but it's also simply, you know, a promise of those future payments. Whereas your assets are yours, it's part of your estate. You know how much it's worth. So let's talk about what's called, you know, uh, a distribution. Uh, that's how much you take out of your assets. And in general, obviously, the smaller the better. So let's take an example. If you, you know, if if your retirement assets are say, you know, a million dollars, if you take out one percent, you know, a year, you know, that's that's ten thousand dollars. So, you know, compare that to having to take 2% or $20,000 a year. So, obviously, the smaller the percentage, the better because, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really take a lot out of the account. Whereas, if you're taking, you know, I mean, we're go- let's, let's go with the other extreme, say 10% a year or $100,000 a year, you know, it's going to be very challenging uh, for whoever's managing that pool of money to make that last, you know. 15, 20, you know, 25 years if you're taking 10% a year. Uh, whereas if you're taking, you know, one or two or even 3%, yeah, it's reasonable uh, to, for that to, to go 20 years. Now, the typical kind of sweet spot is in that two and a half, three percent 3%. And, you know, everybody has their, their opinions, their perspective, their philosophy on retirement uh, uh, distribution. What matters at the end of the day, you know, isn't just so much whatever that number is. What matters is what your retirement assets generate in in the form of income. So, kind of, you know, breaking it down uh, a little more basic uh, from an investing standpoint, you know, 
you can make money investing in either you know income, uh, which is generally interest and dividends, or capital appreciation, where the share, you know, the price per share goes up. You want to count on income uh, for purposes of distribution. Not, you know, you don't want to count on the fact that you bought something at ten dollars a share and you're, you know, you're 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 wanting, needing, or planning on selling it for, you know, thirteen dollars a share. Instead, you want to look at investments in which, say, you bought for something for ten dollars a share, but it's generating, you know, uh, you know, let let let's say, you know. 50 cents, you know, uh, per share uh, each year, which, you know, in this case uh, uh, would be 5%, which tends to be on the upper edge. My point is that what you want to do is based on the income being generated by your portfolio, if you're generating, you know, 3% a year, because you have holdings in there, you know, that generate 3% dividends, uh, some at three and a half, some at two, but overall is generating three, then it's reasonable to say, yeah, you know, I can live off the two and a half percent because, you know, you're taking out less than the income being produced in there. And that, that doesn't even count any appreciation, which on a year by year basis, you really can't count on. Over the long term, every five, 10 years, yeah, there's a certain percentage you can, you know, anticipate uh, knowing that the market in general, you know, uh, averages say 8%, but keep in mind out of that eight, about two to two and a half is income. So if you're able to generate say 3%, then you can take out a little less than 3% to live off of. While then the, the positions in those accounts will continue to grow because you're not taking everything. Furthermore, it doesn't even count on the appreciation of those shares. And that's where you can really, you know, build it up over time. And so naturally, okay, if you kind of follow uh, the progression here, if, you know, if you have a million dollars in your retirement assets and it's generating 3%, which is, you know, about 30 grand a year and you take out say 20 or 25, okay, then, you know, it'll still be a million plus uh, at the end of the first year. And if you have, you know, appreciation of 2%, now then, you know, uh, it's, it's growing an additional 20 grand. And if that pool of money grows, say, to 1.5 million, okay, and you're still doing, you know, a 3% income rate that's being generated, now then, you know, instead of 30000 it's 45000 a year. So at that point, you can then increase what you're taking out each month as well, you know, from say 20 or 25 to 30000 uh, a year. That's where having a longer period of time in which your assets grows to when you start taking it versus taking it, say, you know, at age 60, when you retire, because you're holding off, you, you don't want to touch your pension and social security. I would argue that the potential for you know, your assets to grow and what you could take out down the road is far greater than, you know, what your pension and social security, you know, could grow to, especially not knowing how many years into retirement, you're going to live. And even with your assets, if you, know, you don't live that long into retirement, you know that the full value of that goes 
to your heirs, your beneficiaries, your survivors, uh, f- the full value versus with a pension social security, it's not going to be the full value. You already know that from the choices that you're looking at uh, in terms of what your survivors receive. So that's a critical part of deciding between you know, pension, social security, and your assets. The last thing I'll mention about the distribution is when it comes to the income, these have to be real income, you know, meaning dividends. You know. Dividends is something uh, that's real, that's in cash. It's not you know, some sort of a promise or, or, you know, or, or even appreciation uh, in the shares. It's real cash being deposited in your account. So you know, uh, that's real money. You can't fake it. And you know, that then you know, can be reinvested in the account or taken out for income. So hopefully that's, you know, that's been helpful in understanding how to balance between your different types of retirement income sources and, and assets. I hope this has been helpful uh, for those considering uh, with regards to preparing for retirement and what decisions they have to make. For our next episode next week, we're going to talk about insurance, life insurance in particular. You know, it's, when should you take out a life insurance policy? You know, what type of life insurance should you have? How much life insurance should you have? Uh, what factors should you consider uh, with regards to you know, how much insurance? You know, should you pay off debt? Should you, you know, have college uh, set aside from insurance proceeds? You know, what riders uh, and extra features should you consider? Like uh, with, with the story of the, the accelerated death benefit. And should you use life insurance uh, with regards to saving for retirement? I'd love to hear your story. Uh, for those of you who've already gone through that process and choosing life insurance policy, you can email me at success at allaboutgoals.live. That's success at allaboutgoals.live. Email me your story. You know, uh, I'll, I'd like to share in the next episode, help inspire others uh, to protect their finances. Thank you for listening to All About Goals Radio Show. I'm your host, Tom White. Until our next episode next Wednesday, same time, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Radio Show, happy achieving. Thank you for tuning in for this week's edition of All About Goals. Please join Tom White and another guest next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you achieve your financial goals one program at a time.